Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. What happened? Already hour two of the program. We're in it. Coming up, a chance for you to win some exclusive seating for the Calgary Stampede Parade coming up on the 8th of July. A four-pack of tickets, a four-pack of seats. You don't need to bring anything. They got coffee, they got some snacks, they got your chairs. All you need to do is be there, so be listening for a chance to win. Jamie Thomas, Hour 3, out in Winnipeg. Jets will not be hiring Barry Trotz as their new head coach. Stay tuned. Maybe Jamie has the details. Maybe he'll break the news on the show. Really? You think so? I'll ask him. Throw it by him. Hmm. Probably save it for his own show. Probably if he had the deets. I would. uh, You know, we'll see how that goes. Our humble program, sure. Uh, But our next guest, good to join us again. Appreciate it. See what happens, Justin Dunk, is you say yes, and then it's like, well. They keep coming back. And now you've said yes, like, twice. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a pattern. Feeding the pigeons at the park. So, way to go. Look what you've done, Justin Dunk. You've done it to yourself. (laughs) Good to talk to you. How is everything? (laughs) Doing well, fellas. Happy to do it. Keep coming. Nice, man. We do appreciate it. Because it was... uh, it was it was an it very kind of a we're learning a lot. We're very early on in the CFL season. We know last year we had COVID and then we had border issues and that. But it felt like this was a year we're going to get back to normal and we're going to see what things are all about. And for the Calgary Stampeders, there have been some consistency throughout the first three weeks. Now they're three and zero, oh, but they've had three poor starts. They've had to roar back and. And get victories. Their 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 kicker Rene Paredes has been crucial in all of them. But it's a three and and0 stamps record, and they've really not played their best for maybe even three quarters at a time, let alone four. What's your read on the stamps as they hit in their first bye week? <laughs> it's great for Calgary that they're getting wins, not playing their A game. I think that's certainly a positive, and it shows to me that. This is one of the Calgary teams that we're used to seeing in the past. It was at the top of the West Division and always way in front or at least in definite competition for that number one spot. So, yeah, you mentioned they've only played some great football for sort of short periods in these games. But the fact that that's all it took to be 3-0 and is pretty scary for the rest of the league if you're looking at the stamps. And a year ago, it was kind of the opposite because what were they, 1-3? and three? Through, uh, through the four weeks, and then a Labor Day loss to, uh, to the Elks at that point. So it, it's, it's coming around. I was a little surprised because as the week went on last week, we saw certainly the last practice, the last full pack practice, Jake Mayer was basically taking all the first-team reps. And then Dave said after the game the other night that up until about 1 o'clock on game day, he thought it was going to be Jake Mayer going. Bo goes, and we saw some vintage Bo. There were a couple of passes there, certainly the – the long bomb to Henry for the touchdown and the one that set up the Kadeem Carey run, the uh, the strike to Reggie Bagleton. Bo's feeling it right now. He's a guy that really, he feeds off of his confidence. He does, and you can clearly see it after that big comeback in Hamilton that he continued that this week. And, you know, some people were wondering, like you were saying, well, was he going to start? Dave Dickinson wasn't even quite sure, but... They rest him a little bit in practice, and I think that was a smart move to make sure that soreness didn't flare up and get worse. And look at him. Played his best game, arguably, start to finish in the last couple seasons. 21-28, to 75% completion percentage, over 300 yards and a touchdown, and protected the football. Looked really good, almost, almost 
vintage bow. On uh, let's go around uh, let's go around the league. We start with the first game of the week, and I think was it last week I had you on, and I said you see these games where you've got one team going east or going west, the long travel, and it never seems to work out for the for the one team. Sask goes to Montreal. They give up a touchdown in the first play of the football ball game, essentially, and they don't. Uh, Montreal doesn't look back. Saskatchewan thirty-seven thirteen loss. Uh, is this uh, is that the Montreal flu? Were they were the riders out? Uh, <laughs> Sampling the goods in Montreal the night before. It's happened to the stamps. Because it's happened. It happens a lot. It's, uh, it, it, it can happen to the best of them. So Saskatchewan uh, getting thumped in Montreal. Your thoughts? Yeah, a little bit of the Montreal flu, plus a short week. They didn't really have a true practice. A new center thrown in there in back-to-back road games, I think, kind of did Saskatchewan in. But Cody Fajardo did not play well. Turned the ball over a couple times, which led directly to points for Montreal. And I think that's what inflated that scoreline. So we'll get a better reflection of what this Saskatchewan team is all about in terms of how they bounce back in the back end of the home-and-home against Montreal. Because I think there were a lot of factors against them, including that Montreal flu, man. It gets, as you mentioned, the best of us. Wanted to ask you about Cody Fajardo as well. How are you feeling about this offense? Because it feels like they got a couple of wins despite it not being great on offense, and then things kind of came to fruition in this third week. Yeah, well, I think Cody Fajardo was efficient the first couple weeks and just really did what he needed to do, especially in that fourth quarter against Edmonton, the touchdown pass to Mitch Picton for the game winner, and then looked solid in the opening week against Hamilton, who has a stout defense. So in my mind, it's just a bump in the road. It's always difficult for the West teams to go East, but even more so when you have that condensed week plus plus the added travel in there. So you certainly want to see Fajardo protect the ball better based on what he showed in Montreal. You liking what you're seeing from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lately? Yeah, I mean, the first couple of weeks they play arguably their B football game if you were going to give them a grade and still get two wins over Ottawa. They come back home against a tough Hamilton team that was in a difficult spot, 0-2, and they hold them down. The defense looks great, and to me, the offense is coming together, but Caleros goes over 300 yards, and they're kind of finding their way. I think we've got to remember that Winnipeg is trying to figure it out here without two of their best playmakers who have gone to other teams, Andrew Harris to Toronto and Kenny Waller to Edmonton. So it was going to take some time, in my mind, for the offense to get going, and the defense has allowed that. Dane Evans, similar kind of thoughts as uh, Cody Fajardo right now? No, it's totally different, honestly, with Dane Evans. He's got to stop turning the football over. Like, that is the number one reason the Ticats are 0-3 for the first time since 2017 when the Ticats last missed the playoffs. So I get it that some of those passes have gone off receivers' hands and aren't exactly his fault, but the fumble that Titus Wall ripped away was certainly concerning. He thought the play was over, and he was kind of whining about it afterwards. And that's not something we normally see from Orlando Steinauer coached football teams. They don't make excuses. They aren't going into detail potentially about what they're actually thinking. So that was surprising to me, but Evans has to take better care of the football aside from those ones that have gone off his receiver's hands because, in my mind, that's what – propelled to come back against Calgary. That's what put them in the hole in Saskatchewan, and we see it again in week three, and that's why they're 0-3. And, you know, I was going to ask you just about that, because it feels like if you look back, they probably should beat Calgary. Now, I don't know. It's, it's a pair of picks for Evans. I don't know if they beat Winnipeg, and you go back against Saskatchewan. So on one hand, 
you have some things to clean up for sure. And even aside from the picks, 25 of 42, I mean, completion percentage is not great. But it feels like if it was no, if it's not for maybe two big, big plays per game, they're either right in it or they probably do win it. Is does that make it harder? Or does it mean for Orlando Steiner? I wonder what which would you rather have, where, where you're winning but you feel like you're sne- sneaking by, or you're losing but you know if we just clean it up, we're probably winning these football games. Yeah, I mean you're definitely going to want the wins in there, right? The pressure is cranked up in the hammer. The Ticats fans are getting a little hot and bothered that they let Brandon Banks get away because they feel like that could be part of the problem. But I don't necessarily think that's it. I just think it's about. The turnovers, the defense has been solid overall. They hadn't ha- haven't had great special teams play. There are some people in the league that feel like they should have gone out and signed a Sergio Castillo, let's say, before he went to Winnipeg and has done what he's, he's done there to solidify the kicker position. So there's points being on left on the field on special teams and they're giving away points on offense. So you'd rather have wins because the pressure would be much less, but they're 0-3 this week and Edmonton rolls in. That's you know, feeling a little confident, much better after that week one shellacking they took in BC. And if Tiger Cats go to 0-4, oh boy, look out. Yeah, I'll, I'll double back on the Elks, I guess, as we look at the week ahead. But the uh, the final game, again, BC throttling an opponent at home, 44-3. to in a, in a weird way, this was seven, a 17-3 football game at the half, so still you know, somewhat in doubt. And BC, what, like what they did a couple weeks ago, they poured it on in the third and fourth quarter. But how don't you talk about Nathan Rourke? It's a, it's a record for a Canadian quarterback, 436 passing yards. He throws for four touchdowns. When, when are we buying stock in NathanRourke.com? You know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> he's looked pretty good. It, it's early and it's a long football season, but... It's not fluke what he's doing right now. It's not at all. Unfortunately, I bought my stock all the way back when he was playing at Oakville Trinity. Did you really? Oh, That's right. Man. Way back when. So we're Get in quick. <laughs> I should have let you guys in on it back then. You so should have. Insider trading, track. right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you guys can get in now because his stock is going to continue to soar, guys. Like what a couple performances to start the season. He's casually just stay in the facility eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and dicing up the game film so he can go out and slice up defenses. And I'll tell you what, it's great for the BC Lions, and I don't want to throw cold water all over this, but NFL scouts are alerted to what Rourke is doing. And if he continues to you know, three, throw for three and 400 yards and multiple touchdowns and doesn't turn the ball over, he might be in the NFL next year. Now, there's a long way to go, but... The NFL scouts have at least uh, sat up in their chair to pay attention, let's say. Any concern with this Brian Burnham injury, perhaps headed to the sixth game with, uh, I believe, was reported as a rib injury? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it could be fractured ribs, so that's definitely going to hurt the offense because Brian Burnham, we know, is one of the best slotback receivers in the league. So it'll be hard to go without him, but they showed even afterwards that, hey, Dominic Rimes can come in and be a playmaker. They still have Lucky Whitehead. Javon Katoy, the Canadian there, is dangerous, a big physical target. So they'll have other guys. And fortunately, Rourke has spread the ball around really well. So he hasn't just relied on Burnham and Whitehead to get big plays. It definitely doesn't make BC as good with Burnham on the sidelines, but I think the way the Rourke is distributing the football, that they can continue to put up the points. And that was one of the things that was kind of impressive about that is Burnham leaves before the, what, like basically misses half the game. James Butler also leaves mm-hmm. and he just continues to spread it around. You mentioned Whitehead, Dominic Rimes, two touchdowns. 
that's to me that's the the mark of of a heck of a quarterback when you can have some you know some some potholes thrown at you and you got to navigate and find your way and you still cruise to victory that's the impressive part is that it doesn't necessarily matter who's in there Rourke's distributing the football and he's making the rest of the players around him better with the ways that he's doing it. He doesn't just have to feed one guy like a lucky whitehead or like a Brian Burnham. He's got trust in all the guys that have come in the game for him. Even in David Mackey, the running back position, who's usually a fullback was a fullback for his whole career at university in Western and almost goes for a hundred yards on the ground. So I think just the confidence around that team that Rourke has infused into them is a real key to the start. So what about the Argos on the other side? There was a lot made of some of the veteran players they brought in. It was big names. It was impressive names. And I mean, to this point, season's not over, but at one and one, uh, they haven't really lived up to the hype. No, goodness. I mean, for a little bit in that week, what was it, two game against Montreal, they looked competent, but outside that has not been a good start for the Argos. There's some new pieces coming together, but you thought they would play better, especially against Montreal. There were chances to put the Alouettes out of that game. Like It should never have even come down to that missed field goal from David Cote to gift the Argos a win. So they have not looked good. There's a lot of issues to clean up there, and I think Nathan Rourke exposed a bunch especially on defense. And that said, I mean, it is a new system that all the players are learning under Corey Mace, the former longtime Stan Peters defensive line coach, who I think can be a great coordinator in this league. But the Argos need to get it figured out here pretty quickly. So what about the Elks? Uh, Stamps go into their bye week. The Elks have got, it's taken some time, but I think, and Dave Dickinson, he was effusive in his uh, in his praise for mm. them but you know I, I know he's talked about the receivers and that they, this was this team they were a long team and they, they've got some big bodies some big receivers they do have some guys uh, beyond uh, beyond Lawler it feels like they're starting to round into form a little bit you mentioned it earlier 0 and 3 Edmonton at 0 and 3 Hamilton someone's getting a win here who do you who, <laughs> who do you like who's looking better through three weeks Someone's getting on the board, and for my money, if it's going to be a showdown with an East team and a West team, both 0-3, now I'm going to lean to Edmonton. It's early. I'd like to see the betting line, to be quite honest, how it kind of goes throughout the week to get a feel, but that Edmonton team, I think a lot of people think they're so bad because they look at that week one performance, but there was a lot of rookies on defense that Chris Jones put out there, and obviously Nathan Mark had a hell of a game. So in my mind, I think the Elks are closer to the team that we've seen the last two weeks playing tight ball games with Saskatchewan and Calgary, who we know are going to be contenders in the West division to make it out of that division to get to the great cup. So I like the way that Nick Harbuckle has taken that starting job, even though it wasn't necessarily one that Chris Jones wanted to give him. He's earned the trust at least to start the year. I also like how they're not forcing Trey Ford, the Canadian quarterback to back up behind him into action too early. They're letting him learn and kind of getting his beak wet a little bit in week one against BC. And you know that when Jones comes to town, he's going to have a difficult defense to play against. He's probably going to force some turnovers. So that's the issue to me is until Dane Evans proves that he can take care of the football, even with it bouncing off receivers' hands, that I'm going to go with the opposing team. So I'll lean the Elks early in the week. Saturday, it'll be Montreal in Saskatchewan. We talked about about Sask a little bit. Are you surprised that it's been Trevor Harris? He goes 
16 for 22, 262 against Saskatchewan. Now, again, this was kind of one of those games it felt like Saskatchewan was off a little bit. But there was some real eyebrows raised when Verdon Adams came out and Trevor Harris went in, and Harris has been just fine, thank you very much. Do you like the call with Harris at QB? I really do, and I felt like this was something that could happen during the season. I didn't think it would happen so early, but it's very clear to me that general manager Danny Machocha is pulling the strings over there regardless of what Kahari Jones wants. And Vernon Adams Jr. did contract COVID last week, which made it easily easier to go with Harris, but I think that was going to be the case anyways after that Argos game when Vernon Adams Jr. was benched after just a couple series and Harris came in and went the rest of the way and they should have got the win, although he didn't play necessarily too great in that game. But I think Harris is more consistent for Montreal. He's going to take better care of the football. He has a higher completion percentage. So it seems like right now, unless Harris plays terrible, it's going to be him for the foreseeable future. He's Justin Dunk. It's Three Down Nation. You know what? Plug uh, plug everything you're doing. ThreeDownNation.com. It is. Uh, it's a must-have for uh, for CFL fans. What's happening on the site? You bet, man. You appreciate it. We got the fresh power rankings coming out on Monday. We'll have the TV ratings, which are actually up in week two. So curious to see what those numbers are when they come in. And then we're checking to see if Nathan Rourke broke any other records in that start over the weekend, even over the first two weeks for Canadian quarterbacks. It's probably going to be a running theme all year long for him, but uh, we're checking on some of those numbers, so that'll be the latest on the site. Awesome, man. Thanks, as, as always, for your time. We do appreciate it. Best fellas, keep calling. I'll pick up. Right on, man. Take care. Have a good one. Justin Dunk, 3Down Nation. Yes, 3downnation.com is, uh, is the site. And yeah, it's all there. They do a great job. Keep sprinkling breadcrumbs. We'll keep calling. Yeah, no problem. That's right. Fan feedback line is open 960-960. Is this guy related to Warner? Get your beak wet. I think he meant feet, lol. Uh, I believe that if you wet your beak, get your beak wet. I, th- that is a thing. Yeah, the little baby birds got to get their beak wet yeah. eventually. So, I mean, yeah, you do get your feet wet. And you also cut your teeth. But what Rhett's was, uh, you get your teeth wet as opposed to cutting your teeth and getting your feet or beak you don't usually, I mean, your teeth get wet, they're, they're, there's moisture in your, usually, yeah. you hey. know, if things are going well, you've usually got some moisture in your in your mouth. Yeah, keep, you would hope so. To keep your teeth somewhat. Also because uh, yeah. you got to drink a lot and of water. And for sure, yeah, definitely hydrate, definitely hydrate. So uh, I am going to uh, side with uh, Justin Dunk on this one. I'm giving the pass to get your beak wet. Yep, I am. Yep, the beak gets wet. Thanks, Matt. Yep, birds are birds need to drink water too, guys. First time. I mean, I'll Google it. First time for everything. But uh, do you get your beak wet or your feet wet? Wet your beak to partake in the profits of another person's business, usually as a result of extortion. Oh, what? Sorry, what? That's the phrase has since been adapted to mean moisten one's genitals through. Nope, that's not (laughs) what. That's not what he was talking about. What are you at all? That's not. That Webster or Urban Dictionary? Because I have, it's kind of a, uh, yeah. it was kind of a mob thing. We're like, you know, got to wet my beak. You want to go wet yeah, my beak. Hey, yeah. oh, is a, you know, you get your cut. Be all the damn mother- That's right. Now you can kind of do that. You, you no. tell me you're Italian. Or, no. No? No. I don't think so. Get you thrown off the air. Yeah, I probably would. Oh. Hey. Jamie Thomas. That's me being Fonzie, banging on the juice. How do you know Fonzie? That's uh, honestly probably just because of Family Guy. <laughs> oh, see, all right. Yeah. <laughs> if we're being for real. 
See, you know, you were about to... Did you want me to lie to you? No. Come on. Honestly, always in this, the, it's the trust tree. Family guy. I get that more often than in, in terms of those kind of references. It's like, yeah, I know this song. How do you know Conway Twitty? <laughs> oh, family guy. Oh. Ah, now Conway Twitty. There's always something that comes up. <laughs> It's like, the oh. only reason I know who Conway Twitty is. Yeah, or it'll be a movie, or there'll, there'll be something come up. My kid, yeah. oh, that's what this is from. I'm like, what are you talking? Well, I was in Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of the reverse. Usually, when you know the thing and then you see it in Family Guy, it's funny. Yeah. Now the kids see it in Family Guy and then see it in real life. Oh, oh I makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yes, Fonzie was Arthur Fonzarelli. He was. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's not bother. Take a break. Cheers, right? Yeah, that's right. 7.33, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I'll tell you, uh, you, know, tell you about the uh, the guest hotline. Yeah, tell me about it. I'd like to hear. Tell me more. Not right now, but in about half an hour, Are we'll you talk sure? to Jamie Thomas. Not, not right now? Not right now. That would be an error? Definitely at 8.10, yeah. 8.10? <laughs> Can confirm, GVP? 8.10? Can confirm, yeah. Can confirm, Got a little antsy. I was excited to talk to the guy. When Jamie Thomas joins us in half an hour, <laughs> he'll be on the guest hotline for Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For every dollar you spend, you can earn points towards free pizza. It's the rewards program. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, sitting here. Again, it's, it's the room. You don't have a visual. No. For either of us in here, it, again, I don't you know. You can't see the producers. You cannot see the producers that you work you with. You can see this TV on like this. that look. Like, who is he, who's he calling? Yeah, well, I like, saw his... What is going on? We gave each other the like, look. Ah. Yeah. I was like, who's, what's he? Uh... I said, are we getting a surprise guest? Because sometimes we do. So Jamie Thomas, who's going to be at 810, he got the phone call there. I would guess he probably uh, started... <laughs> You start clearing, get the phlegm out, and uh, figure all your... Uh... Definitely sounded like he was in his car. So. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, hey, good for him. Taking a kid to school, maybe? Driving to practice? No. Because he's in Winnipeg, and I think they're an hour ahead there. Yeah, that'd be central time, boo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So either way, Jamie Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's a Calgary... We can ask him, but he worked here for quite a while. Yeah, he was here for a while. He was Sportsnet. Was the... Was he the game host? He was the be- he was definitely the guy with the flames. Was he traveling with the flames doing the uh I want to say yes, but I don't know how much traveling there was at the time. Because there was probably Well, yeah, there was always travel. I mean Jamie Tom- those house? Everybody? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because there was a time where Roger Millions was doing the play by play, and then that changed, and then Roger was traveling. Jamie, I think, was maybe doing it when Roger was doing the play-by-play, and then he went to Toronto. Ooh. Old Jamie Tom. And then... Jamie from the Six. And then yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended in ended up in Winnipeg. That's like Toronto. Kind of. <laughs> great, uh, great job, though, that he does with, uh, with Jets hockey. And we'll talk to him about it coming up, not now, but in about half an hour. That's got to be a disappointing province, hey? Why don't, Matt? Oh, shoot. I forgot. Like, there's no need. Okay, finish your thought. What what a disappointment. Why? What? 
Because they had all the beer out. They were going to give them everything. Oh, I see. I just thought you meant just in general. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were just going to take a run at Manitoba for being Manitoba. No. That's about dis- disappointing. Could product. you imagine living there? My good. No. Come I on. That's definitely what you're doing. a little much. I know they don't um, have an airport, but. They were. I think it's like anything else. There was a. You can have one of the winningest successful tenured NHL coaches in league history. Stanley Cup to his resume. Did he win a Jack Adams? I'm guessing he did somewhere along the way. I think he has two. Um, and in addition to that, he's from two to three hours away. Dauphin. Hometown guy. This is You, you love that when you're in a place, say you, you're from Toronto, so even there, someone comes back to Toronto, it's a big deal. John Tavares. Mark Giordano. Um, he had the pajamas. Uh, old uh, Jason Spets. Uh-huh. Big, ooh, he's from here. But when you're a Manitoban or you're or it's a scout, whatever, and you have a chance to bring that person home, it's a big deal. But Barry Trotz. Uh, talked to NHL.com a few days ago and said that he is not going to coach this year. It was very hard. He knows all of those guys. He has relationships with those guys. He has family and friends that literally work in the building, yep. for the team, yep. that sort of thing. So it would have been a monster story and a feel-good story and all of that. And they need a coach. He, I'm guessing, is going to be a very good coach for whoever he coaches next, but cited personal things. He just, he's just got some stuff to work on. When you're a coach, you're all in. And a lot of things in your personal life take a back seat. And he says it's time to address those things. Time to be family first so he's going to do that for at least the season and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next for the Jets here because obviously like you mentioned you still need a head coach lately we've seen a lot of three four-year terms being thrown around for head coaches in the NHL to join organizations and that's appropriate if you're a head coach joining you want to understand that you don't have just one year to make it work you want to have a little bit of a runway especially getting into a new organization and it's just a tough spot because you don't know if for Barry Trotz he's going to feel like it, the time is a half season from now. If it's one season from now, if it's two, if it's if it's done, if that if that might end up being it. If he does take this year off and it ends up being right for him, and that ends up being it, but you don't you don't know what that's going to be. So it kind of affects perhaps what the next coach is going to do. And I wonder if the next group of coaches who interview for the job have questions about if Barry Trotz is going to be available and that type of thing. So it's a a big mix up. It's a big jumble, and they've got a whole bunch of actual roster questions to deal with, too. The cup was handed out, we'll t- and we'll talk to Jamie about more about that coming up. Mm-hmm. Cup handed out last night. My kid asked me, if you, were, if you won the Stanley Cup, would you rather win it at home, or would you rather win it on the road? Would, mm. would it suck to win it on the road? It's, well, you've, you're so excited you don't care. You're so relieved, and you're so happy. For Colorado, they don't care. I, I know that they said afterwards they were kind of heartbroken that they didn't win it Friday at home. It was just kind of pointed in that direction, especially after everything that went down. Too many men. The Cadre goal, is it in? Is it out? Now we're going home. The All the traveling media have been raving about the crowds in Denver and how hot the rink is and all of that. To then, Siri, play all the small things. And then just you lose one guy real quick and it's in the back of your net. As Palat scores... Now we're getting back on a plane and we got to go back to Tampa. It's you think about 
That's not that. That's a lot. It's a big undertaking yeah. for an entire hockey. And at that point, your family is with you. Okay, guys, we gotta. My brother and my sister, and my parents, we're gonna load everybody up. That's the other thing that uh, when you kind of see how it works, the the work that goes in for the people behind the scenes, oh. hotel rooms, tickets, planes, all of this for just family members. Because they don't want the players to have to worry about, hey, so can you get me uh, a, an aisle seat? I hate, I don't want to be sitting in the middle on the way back. to t-. Gabriel Landeskog doesn't need to be dealing with that. In about 24 in, hours before right, game time again? In you know game five, game, that sort of thing. So there's a lot that goes on. Anyway, uh, I think there'd be part of it. You like to kind of stick it to the other team's fans. But beyond that, I don't think you care. It's fun to win at home, but then you get a, a homecoming, you got your parade, you got everything. But man, it was so clear. I liked last I liked this series because it was a new champion in a way. It was fresh for pretty much everybody. You didn't have well, you know, don't want Pat Maroon, but you didn't have a guy winning his third in three years kind of thing. This was fresh for them it had been bitter exits the back-to-back-to-back second round exits there was a lot of criticism and a lot of just a lot of eyeballs in this team that if it didn't happen what were they going to have to do because they've been good for a long time and with the ufas they're going to be hard to put everything back together so to win it and to see how much it meant to them a new champion and to beat the outgoing champions no asterisks no nothing you they sweep Nashville, they sweep Edmonton. It's six games, but man, Tampa gave them everything they had. It was a heavyweight tilt. There was no Cinderella story that snuck through and you were kind of left at the end of the day thinking, well, if if it wasn't Montreal, maybe we'd have had a good series. It was awesome. And watching Gabriel Landeskog, 29 years of age, I was, I was trying to, I was thinking this morning, or I guess last night, I was at the draft, I believe it was in Minnesota, when he went in round one, second overall. And on the, so Friday is draft day. Saturday is round two through seven. Thursday, they do a, an event, or at least did at that point, where the top prospects would wear their junior jerseys and go to a local rink and skate with kids and do like oh, a skills thing. Yeah. Love so, that. So it was just, it was part of a big week for them. And Landis Cog was there. And at that point, you're 17. I'm just looking. Yeah, he, he'd have been 17 years old. And was already the captain of the Kitchener Rangers. Oh, yeah. It's like, he's captain already. He was the only mm. guy wearing a C. So that, that's kind of a, a thing. You don't see a lot of guys wearing letters yeah. in their draft year. Usually they get drafted and then they get the letter. Yeah. And then after they were done their, you know, their thing with the kids and that, they come over for their media availability. And... Here's this 17-year-old from Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah, he's playing in Kitchener, but he comes over, and it doesn't mean anything. But he's, he's got perfect English. Like he's from Red Deer. He, and well-spoken, and all of this, it starts to click. It's, okay, I can see why you'd be, as, at 17, the captain of a team with 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. You've, you've got it together, son. You're thinking about checking the ID. Yeah. You know, one of those, uh, it's on a crayon. I am 13. And I know at that point it was, his numbers were good. Yep. So he was drafted. I'm just kind of scrolling here. Drafted in 2011, second overall. And that year, 
He had 36 goals, 66 points in 53 games. So very good for a draft-eligible guy. But there were some other players that seemingly had higher skill and all of that. But he was being drafted, and you hear it every once in a while. Guys are drafted because they're born leaders. They're, they're, I remember Scott Hartnell was one of those guys. This guy is going to be the captain of his team down the road, and he may not lead them in scoring, but he's going to be a great captain for them. And you wonder, is that something that you draft or do you develop that? Does that mature? Do you need a guy to be your captain at such a young age? And it was it was Landis Cog right from the beginning. Junior, captain, went to Colorado. What was he, 19 or 20 when they gave him the captaincy there? It was really early on. Well, he was the youngest captain in NHL history at yeah. that point. I want to say he was 19. I don't think he was 20. I think I, he was a teenager at that point still. I think Taves became the youngest maybe when he became captain. I'm not sure. Either way. So, and just for me to have been at that draft and to have seen all of that, to then finally see him and to hear the emotion in his voice, there was that kind of scope of reference for me. For sure. I, I can appreciate how long you've been an avalanche and how it's been to get here. Such a motivation, inspiration being with these guys and... Andrew Cogliano and Eric Johnson and Helmer and want to make those guys champions and I think that's what motivated all of us is to make each other champions and what a way to do it in this building against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I mean, it can't even describe it. Awesome. And his story is one of whatever, 22, 23, 25. You think of all those, all those players. We talked about Eric Johnson earlier and Cogliano. And Kadri, the Kadri stuff was awesome, obviously, and I think a lot of people you would have heard it by now. But this is Kadri on the ice <laughs> with David Amber and and Elliot Friedman. Such a roller coaster ride in terms of emotions. You know, obviously, I break my hand. I think I'm done. Um, I came back. I couldn't even tie my own skates. Couldn't even tie my own skates. So I uh, shout out to the trainer, tying my skates before every game. I don't care. Whatever it took, I was going to be out here one way or another. As you have a lot of fans down in southern Ontario, London, of course, uh, Toronto, etc. What do you want to say to all those fans out there that have stuck with you and wanted to see you have this moment? I love you guys. I love you guys. That's all. Uh, that's all there is to be said. I mean, I've had supporters in my corner from day one, never wavered. And uh, you know, for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> well, there it is. All right. Well, all right. Banger. That. Put that one on a T-shirt. And you know what? You're right, and they can. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Because he was crushed. And it's, this isn't just a Toronto thing. It could have been anywhere. But he was heavily criticized year in, year out. Now, again, it's he did get suspended, and he was right on the edge and didn't contribute to wins as he could have if he were on the ice. But you're going to take a little bit more scrutiny in Toronto because you know you're not winning. And when you've when you've been part of the reason why they've lost in the eyes of so many, and he was, he was heavily criticized. He was a first round pick on the ice as a player, good player. I don't think anybody ever really had an issue with his jam or his contributions, but come the playoffs, he would run a little hot. Wasn't Charlie McAvoy or whoever it was. I think he ran him either way. Yeah. When he had fallen down (laughs) and his head was against the boards, you know, you finish your check, right? (laughs) Oh, okay. So anyway, feels good for him. And I was amazing year. He's an unrestricted free agent. And I mean, here's Johnny Gaudreau, career year, UFA year. That's how you do it, sir. 
And for Nazem Kadri, there was a time this year, I think he was leading the league in scoring or was top three when he was absolutely on fire and cooled off, but still an unbelievable season. You get a cup, you get to stick it to your critics, and this summer you're going to make a huge amount of money. A humongous amount. Probably a maximum amount of term. Um, there's just so many things that I think as players mature, you know, there's little things that kind of go out of their games. For Kadri, I think that he's still got the edge, but he's found a better way to toe the line the last year or two. I think that, you know, the injury might be a factor here as well, but I think more or less a commitment to wanting to win. Uh, I, I thought that during the course of the regular season, there was a lot of points where his teammates were very obviously trying to stick up for him and kind of push back on this bad image that he might have had and trying to write that for him. And I think that a lot of this has kind of done that. And for him to go throughout the course of this postseason, you know, he gets the injury as he's on the other end of a of a dirty play. He comes back scores the massive goal in game number four to win the game and push Tampa to the brink. Outstanding playoffs for him. And now the only question is, how much is he going to get and where is it going to be? Hard to think it's going to be in Colorado. You'd want to stay, but... They kind of have to pick. But you're 31 and... You're going to get paid. And it's not as he's been making good money. He's finishing up a 27 million deal, six years, 27, so four and a half million. As, as a second line center, I would, that's where you'd want him. You get him as second line center. Yep. He can score you 20. That's what you want. It's everything you want. So cool for him. And another cool moment was, uh, was Nathan McKinnon. We talked about it. What was it? He, uh, he said after the game, Knew we were winning. When I checked into the hotel in Tampa, my hotel room number was 1787. 87. Sid, we're winning this thing. <laughs> he and Sid have been joined at the hip, and it's, it's, that's a heck of a comparison, and you love having that kind of an influence and that kind of a, of a role model and all of that. But when you're from the same hometown, well, Crosby was this. And then Nathan McKinnon goes first overall. He's going to have to be this. Well, it's the golden goal, and it's Stanley Cups, and it's ca- all of this. That's a heavy, heavy burden potentially, and it took him a while, but he f- he got it done last night. So both guys with cup rings, and the question was about Sid. Going to be a probably going to have a party back in Cole Harbor. Is Sidney coming to your uh, to your cup party? I've been the drunkest guy at two of his, so he better be drunk at mine. Perfect. I've been the drunk, the the drunkest. I've been the drunkest guy at two of his, so he better be drunk at mine. Oh, that wasn't. I I had a few pops at one of them. No. I was the drunkest. The drunkest at both. At both. Had a boy, Nate. Had <laughs> a boy, Nate. I don't know. I'm ha- I'm I I find I there's some individual stories there that I am happy about. I, I'm happy for him because there was some talk that man, was this guy's. A- can he do it? Was he worth the first round, first overall pick? What is he? And is then, he too intense? I think was some well, questions. Well, that's the thing is, is, is then he dials in to his fitness and his off ice regimen and working out and all of that, and then kind of gets criticized for that for being so dialed in and so bought in. Well, 
He's got a ring in his finger because of it. So maybe if you dedicated yourself a little bit more. Me? Maybe you could be a champion. Like me in particular? That's right. A champion of what? I don't compete well, in anything. A, you'd be a champion. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. I don't really... I don't think I could dedicate myself to anything the way that Nathan McKinnon does. I've seen you. When you're in your zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look out. Um, Jamie Thomas coming up. Hour three, we'll have the the seats. A four-pack of tickets to give away for the uh, Stampede Parade. Coming up on July 8th. Do your kids love going to the parade? Do they ever do it? Did you ever never, take them down? We've never been to one. Oh. So maybe this year. I used to be a staple for me as a It's kid. a great parade. Yeah. You know, this isn't some dog and pony show. This is, you know, where it's some truck pulling a Lund boat and the mayor sitting in the back. Hey, how you doing? Throwing out, you know, double bubbles or whatever. This is a big deal. So this is a big prize pack, a four pack of seats, coffee, some snacks. The chairs are already set up and reserved for you. Just get there and enjoy. You don't have to wake up at the time that we do to get a spot along ninth. No problem there. That's right. Um, Need to do this. What? Uh, We are off Friday. Yeah. For Canada Day. Yeah. Very excited. (laughs) Um, So. What? Thursday. Uh Uh-huh will be my last day at Sportsnet. I didn't want to do this. I, I just am uh, awkward about it. I didn't want to do it, but the <laughs> HR said you shouldn't just you skulk out the back door and not say anything. <laughs> uh, it's it, it, Yeah, it's, it, it's all good. It's been hard decision to get to this point. It's been going on for a long time, uh, but I I'm still not sure it's the right thing, but it's the cha- change is good, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah, sure. Grass is always greener or something yeah. like that. Boom. Uh, I don't have another job. It's not like oh, so where? So where are you going? This What's next? Big promotion? No, no, no. Um, so that's it, it, look. It's I don't want it's. I just I, I, they want me to say something, and I don't I don't like bringing attention to it. It's. As far as the plan for here, I don't really know what it is, Me but um, but it's going to be great for everyone. There's going to be a new show. I would guess probably by fall. That's usually how these things work. I've not. It's not really my uh, not my decision or anything like that. But there's going to be a new show. You get rid of the old guy who's been here forever. The old moldy goat. Have some a new voice and some new jokes and some new opinions, and that's going to be awesome. And for people that potentially work here, it's more opportunity and all of that. So it's going to be great, and uh, you know, for for the people at Rogers, they've been very understanding, and I've kind of been back and forth on it for a long time. But uh, so that's the story. Thursday, out to pasture, and then I don't know who's here next week, but it won't be me. So that's the story. Jamie Thomas from Winnipeg. When we come back, Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan.